Can Connor McDavid win the Art Ross Trophy again this year despite a slow start? Do the Oilers have a defensive beast on their third pairing? Who on the Columbus Blue Jackets are the Oilers taking a look at for a third game in a row? The answers to all those questions and more are in this week's episode. Welcome to the Striking Oil Podcast, giving you Edmonton Oilers analysis and opinions from a fan turned journalist. I'm your host, Caleb Kearney. By day, I am a carpenter, and by night, I am the site editor of the Edmonton Oilers team site over at the Hockey News website. A couple announcements before we get started. Since the last time I recorded a podcast, which apparently was a long time ago, so my apologies for that. Um, some things, things are getting busy around here. One of those things is I have started writing the Philadelphia Flyers site in addition to the Edmonton Oilers site. So that's where a lot of extra time that I typically have goes is running that site. Now, I will get back into the swing of things with Substack as well. I know I've been lagging on that a lot recently. My apologies. I'll try to get back on that this Tuesday, okay? And a third announcement. I did say I did mention that at the beginning of December this would become a YouTube only podcast. I've decided to push that transition potentially uh, to January. We will see what happens, but those are sort of the quick uh, housekeeping things at the top of the show here. So, <laughs> I had a little bit of technical difficulties. I had actually recorded this podcast on Saturday night. And then, much to my dismay, I realized that I had not recorded any audio. Even though I was using a microphone, just with my setup, I just did something really weird. Shouldn't have done it. Should have figured it was a problem. Didn't decide to double check it. So, here we are, Monday morning, recording the episode again. So, it's going to be a little bit different than what it actually was. Now, Oilers. Let's talk Oilers. Okay. Right now, they are six points out of a wild card position with one game in hand on the two wild card teams, Arizona and St. Louis. So, with that in mind, let's use that as context for this first question Can McDavid still win the Art Ross trophy? This seems like a silly question because yes, yes, he can. And yes, he probably will. And those who doubt him do not understand this player. Okay. Now, in his last six games, he has recorded 16 points. Okay. That is bonkers. All right. That comes out to 2.66 points per game. Now, there are 60 games left for the Oilers. 2.66 times 60, you get 159. So, if he continues on this pace for the rest of the season, he could score just in those 60 games, almost 160 points. Is that actually what's going to happen? Maybe, maybe not. But even if he only gets two points per game on average for those 60 games, that's still 120 points. And you combine that with his current 29 points in 20 games, that's 149 points. That's not bad for a slow start. And here's the thing about Connor McDavid. He is one of the most driven players in this entire league, and that is part of why he is 
a superstar. You can't get anywhere in this league without having an incredible work ethic. Okay. Now I say work ethic rather than fitness level because some people have a great work ethic, but they're not the most fit person in a sort of traditional sense. I'm looking at you, Phil Kessel. Now, and that's not a knock on Phil. That's just saying he has an elite drive and and an elite work ethic to be the best at his position, okay? And apparently still is without contract. So, um, who knows what's going on there. Now, now, McDavid is healthy. He's motivated. So, the rest of the league better look out because he is going to go bananas soon. Like bananas. If you think this is him going crazy, he hasn't even gone like supernova yet. Okay. When he does, that will be crazy. Now, right now, he's just healthy. Okay. I think at the beginning of the season, you know, my sources told me that there was a bit of a sickness uh, going around the team. It wasn't really confirmed. But if you look at how they playing and they were, everybody was denying being injured, at least you know, reporters had directly asked McDavid if he was healthy and he said yes. And I think when he heard that, he interpreted that as, am I injured? Which if he's sick, he's like, well, I'm not injured. So yeah, yeah, I'm healthy. So he either decided ahead of time that he was just going to outright deny anything going on, regardless of what it was, or he was sick instead of injured and just had some kind of bug. You know, Zach Hyman, two games ago, he missed that game because he was too sick to play. So it's very possible that what Hyman had came through the rest of the team, although he, he had mentioned that that sickness had gone through his household, so maybe it was something else, regardless. Okay. Something was going on with McDavid. And now whatever was going on is done because he looks more like himself now. Okay. So NHL better look out. Now, moving right along. The Oilers have a defensive beast on their third pairing who should get more minutes. Of course, I'm talking about Vincent DeHarnay. Okay. This guy, he's got some great numbers. Okay. If we look at evolving hockey. His Corsi against per 60 and his expected goals against per 60 are fantastic for his Corsi against. He is two standard deviations above average for his expected goals against per 60. He's one and a half deviations above average. Now, the deviations, it's a fancy word, but essentially on evolving hockey, if you are unfamiliar with evolving hockey, if you are familiar, you can just, yeah, not tune me out for the next 30 seconds, but just take a little break. Um, the standard deviations that you see on the chart, essentially, the center line is zero. The center line is league average, okay? So if a player is above average in a certain category, they will be, they will be above, and it's grouped by standard deviations. Now, 
if someone is completely like out of this world, crazy offensive, for the metrics that are offensive focused, those are going to be like breaking the, like McDavid like breaks those charts. Like he's usually like four standard deviations or three standard deviations above average for some of those metrics. And for players that are really strong defensively, you get the same thing in the defensive metrics. And that's what the Corsi against and goals and expected goals against metrics are. When you look at the players on evolving hockey, teams is a little different, but for the players, expected goals against and Corsi against. Now, <clears throat> which other Oilers defensemen are above Vincent D'Arnais for both Corsi against per 60 and expected goals against per 60? The answer? None. Nobody else. Nobody else is better than Vincent D'Arnais in those two metrics. Now, an important caveat with the per 60 metrics. I like looking at the per 60 metrics because that tells us what the player is doing in their minutes. I've said this before. If you just look at Corsi against or just flat rate numbers, you don't get, it doesn't specifically isolate that player because it's just, it's more about, it's not taking into consideration their minutes. And that's why the per 60 model is an excellent way to evaluate players because you can see, okay, this player is really doing well in the minutes that they're doing. We can try them with a little bit more minutes. And then if they continue to do well, awesome. And you can keep adding time on ice and responsibility to that player. But then as soon as you see a regression in numbers, once you do that, you can pull back and you can find a sweet spot for ice time. But you can do that to really isolate and see how that player is doing in those minutes, which is why I really like it. Now, for Ekholm and Bouchard, both of them are 1.75 standard deviations above average for Corsi against per 60 minutes. And only... 0.25 of a deviation above average for expected goals against per 60 minutes. So that's that's another thing to uh, take stock of with this whole situation and evaluation of Dayernay versus Bouchard and Ekholm. Bouchard and Ekholm are doing fantastic for Corsi against per 60. Their expected goals against per 60 probably is a bit lower than Dayernay because of quality of competition. That's probably the biggest thing. Bouchard and Ekholm are definitely facing a lot harder quality of competition. And that is another thing to also then apply to Vincent Dayarnay's numbers, right? This is why it's good to look at the per 60 and then also look at the quality of competition, right? For quality of competition, I personally like to go over to Frozen Pool, the Dauber Hockey uh, fantasy hockey tool and in their advanced stats tab when you select a player you can scroll down and you can see a chart and now for defensemen i like to just isolate just looking at the defensemen and then you can see, it puts them on the graph you know, up and down is the quality of competition and left to right is offensive zone starts and then the color of the circle is 
Corsi four percentage relative to team. Okay. So the darker the blue, the better. The bigger the circle, the more time on ice they have at five on five. Okay. All of those things play a factor. So you look at all the factors, you look, okay, DNA, he's doing great in these situations. Let's put him in more of these situations. Let's give him a little bit more ice time. And then we'll see if he can maintain his expected goals against numbers and his Corsi against numbers. And if he can, just keep adding some responsibility, responsibility. So in my opinion, I think the Oilers should move DeRNA up on the depth chart a little bit, get him some more ice time, whether that's the Kulak-CC pairing in general, just getting more ice time, or if that's switching pairings up. And, you know, let's keep Ekholm and Bouchard together, but let's throw DeRNA with Nurse. Let's just try it. And maybe you just cut back on Nurse's five-on-five minutes. Maybe you can give more of those minutes to, like, Kulak-CC. CC's really been flourishing under Paul Coffey's new defensive philosophy, I guess is is the best way to phrase it. And he could really shine now in a Kulak-CC pairing. When they tried Kulak-CC, when it was just Woodcroft, there was a lot of players that just weren't really moving their feet. CC was one of them. Darnay was another. Both of those players almost looked like improved skaters, but all they're all they're doing now is they're just moving their feet more and they're just pushing pace and they're making plays. And that's exactly what you want to see from your defense. Now, finally, who on the Columbus Blue Jackets are the Oilers taking a look at? Well, I believe there's several players. Okay. Now, outside of goaltending, because I do think they're looking at Elvis Mers Lincolns. And I did have, I did write a post about him and another blue jacket that I'll mention here. But Mers Lincolns is a very solid goaltender. He has been very underrated in the past few years. Last year was a bad year for him, just straight up bad. Okay. But he is not usually that bad. Now, you can go check out the article that I wrote about him just to get a better sense of what's going on with him. But I think it's a good option for the Oilers is what I'll say there. Now, there are three players who I think could use a change of scenery for one reason or another. Two forwards, one defenseman. The two forwards, I'll just briefly touch on them. Patrick Laine and Igor Chinikov. Both of those guys, the, the Blue Jackets are crowded on the wings. And that's where you got Patrick Laine and Igor Chinikov. Okay, both of those players... I know Chinikov, you're basically looking at him almost as a Costin replacement, but Chinikov can play more minutes, and Chinikov has more offense to his game. So more, maybe more of like a Anton Slepeshev type player, uh, but like more aggressive than Slepeshev for those, um, those who follow the Oilers who remember Anton Slepeshev. Chinikov is more like him than Kostin, but he's more physical than Slepeshev. So maybe he's kind of like a combination of the two. Slepeshev was fairly offensive. I actually haven't compared Chinikov to Slepeshev. That could be something I'd take a look at in the very near future here. Now, Adam Boquist. 
I think this is a defenseman who could really flourish under Paul Coffey. For one, he's kind of in a similar mold to Evan Bouchard, where he's a puck-moving, skating defenseman, you know, that the modern defenseman that you hear people talk about, okay? I had an article come out about him yesterday. You can go check it out. Everything that I'm going to say about him was in the article. But in case uh, you're not going to just stop this and go read an article, he has the highest Corsi 4 percentage per 60 relative to his teammates. So he hasn't been given an, a large amount of minutes. He's gotten a lot of minutes lately, which is part of the reason why people believe he's being showcased to other teams. The Columbus Blue Jackets also have a logjam on defense, and they want to give David Juracek more minutes. They can only do that if they move out a defenseman. Adam Boquist, right-handed defenseman, kind of clogging up the top four there in Columbus. And he was scratched for six or seven straight games. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like that. Now, <clears throat> looking at Adam Boquist's metrics, the team itself is bad, okay? And that is part of what's going on with his metrics. If you look at just Columbus, they're two standard deviations worse than league average in Corsi against per 60 and goals against per 60. To compare to the Oilers, the Oilers are two deviations above league average for Corsi against per 60, but the same for goals against per 60 as Columbus. Now, that discrepancy between the two, because usually the two are more closely connected, that huge discrepancy shows two things, in my opinion. It shows that the Oilers, um, their goaltending as a whole for this season has been subpar. Okay, It's been great in stretches, and this most recent stretch is the most consistent that I've seen Stuart Skinner this year. Okay. He's had he had some bad games at the beginning of the year, kind of sprinkled in with some good games. And his good games, whenever he's played league average or better, the team wins. And that's that almost goes for every team. Okay. And as far as the league average goes, league average, when it comes to goaltenders, a stat that I track, quality starts. And that's essentially what quality starts tracks is what games or in a game, if a goaltender has a league average save percentage or better, that is considered a quality start. And teams that make the playoffs, their goaltenders, they win as many games as their goaltender has quality starts because they're able to take that league average goaltending that they're getting and turn it into a win. It typically doesn't. Typically, goalies don't have a lot more quality starts than wins. Typically, it's a general. There are some outliers, and there are some reasons for that. Recently, I'm thinking of UC Soros. I think he's had a year or two where he's had like quite a few more, and Ilya Sorokin as well. But that is sort of based more on the team itself and the team not closing out games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. That's my little stat spiel. So, back to Boquist. That's looking at his numbers. 
and looking at the environments, he's not a bad defenseman. Okay. Could the Oilers use him? Maybe. Sure, they could. Sure. But if you acquire Boquist, who are you moving out? Are you acquiring Boquist so that you can move on from CC or Kulak? Right. If you acquire Boquist, now you have four right handed defensemen in the NHL. So what becomes the plan for Boquist? Now, maybe he gets put on a pairing with Kulak. They eat up a lot of five on five minutes and you have Nurse and Dayarnay together. Or maybe you have Nurse and Boquist. That could be fun. Nurse is actually very solid defensively. He's very underrated. And it is just a very interesting situation with all of this Columbus stuff going on. But he could be a fit. He could really thrive under Paul Coffey as a coach. That's everything for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please like the video on YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a comment letting me know what you think. Who do you think the Oilers are looking at on the Columbus Blue Jackets? Is Dayarnay ready for more minutes? And is Connor McDavid going to win the Art Ross? I'd like to know your thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter or X at C Kearney Writer. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Striking Oil Pod. You can go to thehockeynews.com slash NHL slash Edmonton dash Oilers to read the latest articles from me. You can subscribe to the Edmonton Oilers Hockey News Substack. Go to edmontonoilersthn.substack.com. It's free to join. All you have to do is enter your email and you can sign up to get emails of articles sent directly to your inbox There's a paid option as well, where every day I send all of the articles written the day previous in one email with no ads, no fluff, no filler, and you just get everything sent to you, okay? The links for everything mentioned above will be in the show notes, and as well, listen to the Striking Oil podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, even though that's going away. We're on Audible, Amazon Music. Okay, check us out. If things progress in the podcast specific space rather than just YouTube, I might consider just keeping this as well as a podcast on those apps. We'll see. Okay, I'm still taking the month of December to kind of consider what I'm going to be doing with this podcast. In the very least, it's still going to be a YouTube only. We'll see what's in store for Striking Oil. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget, it's not a game day unless the Oilers play. I'll see you next time.